Welcome to Season 1, Episode 24 of Grace or Grit. This is a podcast intended to address difficult, controversial, and debatable issues related to the Bible and the church. I'm your host, Dave Talley, and I serve as a pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Herlock, Maryland. Just celebrated 15 years here. Along with me today, as always, is my co-host, Patrick Reed. He is a pre-filled missionary with ABWE. He's on deputation trying to get to the Gambia in Africa, and he also serves on the pastoral staff, at least for now, here with me in Herlock. How are you today, Patrick? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Any any new news on your uh, on your effort to get to the other side of the globe? Well, God's really been blessing things, uh, even, even during the coronavirus, and uh, we're at 91% of our support now, and uh, we've got uh, four more commitments. We don't know exactly how much that'll be, so we're getting pretty close. Uh, we've been at churches past few weekends, and we're headed back up to New York this weekend, so we're, we're pretty excited about that and what God's been doing. Amen. 91%. You get that 90 percentile, uh, that feels like the home stretch, I guess, and that's good, good news. So we're so happy for you and looking forward to... Uh, to you saying, hey, we're at 100% of our monthly support and 100% of our, uh, uh, what's that called? The, the amount you have have to collect the one-time expense to get there? Outfit, outfit and package? And passage. Yeah, passage. Out, out, outfit and passage. There we go. Right. I'll forget it again. Um, but we're looking forward to hearing you give the news that uh, you've got those both at 100% and you've got a date set and tickets bought. Uh, that'll be exciting. Joining us today for our discussion is a gentleman who serves on the board of deacons and trustees here at Grace Baptist Church, Matt Taylor. Matt, welcome to Grace or Grit. How are you today? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you for having me. Um, it's, uh, I think this will be exciting and be a good, uh, good discussion to ha- be had by all. Now, I already know the answer, but uh, just for the listener's sake, uh, what you got on your agenda there today, Matt? Um, well, uh, I'm a farmer. I farm with my father. We have a family farm. And um, today we're planting barley this morning. Uh, he'll plant all day. And as soon as uh, some, some of the moisture gets out of these cornfields, we plan to continue picking corn. And um, we'll be hauling that to, to town. And um, after that, we'll spread some cover crop and work it in. So we've got, got a good day ahead of us. I love it. I love it. Why don't you also uh, take a minute and give us a little bit about your testimony and, and including, of course, your history with Grace Baptist Church uh, for any of our listeners who might not know you. So I got saved at around eight, nine years old at Grace Baptist Church. I was actually in a VBS program. I believe the pastor at the time was Pastor Brad Winship. I can still remember that I was in the gymnasium and I don't remember what the theme of the VBS was, but I remember that I remember telling my mother uh, when I left that I'd gotten saved and she was very excited, of course, growing up in a Christian home. And that was what my parents had hoped for. I attended Christian schools through 10th grade and 11th and 12th grade. I went to a, a public, local public school. I had, you know, Christian schools, you learn, you learn the Bible and you learn history and you learn um, all of those things through the lens of, of scripture, which has proven to be a great blessing to me. I maybe didn't think it at the time with all the, what I thought were silly rules that the Christian schools had, but, um, I strayed, um, admittedly when I was from about the time I was 16, probably till about the time I was 24, 25. When me and my, me and my wife got married, it was, we were baptized. Both of us were baptized soon after we hadn't been baptized as uh, youngins. And I think that was by design as, uh, I think the gravity of baptism really takes hold when you're, um, when you're old enough and mature enough to, to understand it. And, um, so anyway, I kind of renewed my, renewed my, renewed my commitment to, to Christ and the church. And now we have been married for eight years and have three little girls that are trying to raise right. And so, yeah. So this is, this is pretty cool to have a guest on the program uh, on an episode of Grace or Grit, uh, who is a product of Grace Baptist Church as well as part of the leadership of the church now. 
and uh, a servant that God's using here. So this is this is a this is a cool day. But uh, I want to move away from uh, the bliss and awesomeness of that <laughs> to something that's not quite as uh, uh, calm or or uh, I don't know pleasant. The topic for our discussion today is Trump or Biden. Um, that's of course clickbait. We're hoping that people will see that title <laughs> and uh, listen to the episode. Uh, but it's it's not deceptive. Uh, this is actually our topic for today. And I want to tell you who are listening why I've chosen this as the topic. Matt sent me a YouTube video earlier this week. I think it was on Tuesday. The title of the YouTube video was "What About Abortion." Should this one issue determine how Christians vote? And uh, of course, as a pastor, I get sent a lot of stuff, book titles and videos and songs and articles that, you know, people want me to take a look at. And frankly, some of them I just kind of skim through and, and some of them, you know, I, I say, oh, I, this is new stuff. Some of it I've already read or seen. But uh, I, I had to, to stand on the sidewalk, and watch my granddaughter sleep in the truck while the rest of the family was doing something. So I had some time on my hands. So I did watch the whole video and listen to it. And I've watched it again since then. Uh, and it's a political video. It's about 15 minutes long. Uh, it's hosted by and posted on the channel of Phil Vischer. If you don't know who that is, he's the original creator of Veggie Tales. And uh, this particular video has been viewed uh, almost 100,000 times. So admittedly, the video seems to agree uh, pretty distinctly with the premise that abortion is wrong. The guest of Phil Vischer, who speaks on the video, uh, is, is pretty clear that uh, he believes abortion is, um, is a horrible thing and he's pro-life and so on and so forth. But where the video seems to cloud the issue is on what we should do about the fact that abortion is happening in our country and that we want to, we want to try to stop it. The best conclusion, I mean, the most optimistic conclusion that I could come to um, after watching the video is that perhaps the, the folks responsible for putting it together means to encourage Christians to do things on a local level and on a state level to reduce abortion because uh, our efforts on the national stage have been relatively unproductive for many, many decades. Now, that's the best conclusion that I could come to from watching the video. Uh, the worst interpretation that I could come to is that they simply want you to feel comfortable and have a clear conscience voting for Democrats and for Joe Biden. Um, and if you read the comments, which I did read quite a few of the comments below the video, the, the interpretation that you can be a kinder, gentler, more enlightened Christian if you vote for Joe Biden seems to be a message that a lot of viewers were taking away from it. Whether that was the intention of the, you know, the authors or not is uh, certainly up for question. Uh, it's interesting to me, the most repeated phrase in the video, hands down, was the truth is complicated. Uh, which seems to be something Phil has really bought into a lot. And Phil's not an ignoramus. He's an intelligent person and he's an educated person. I watched several more of his videos and I've actually had some interactions with Phil uh, previously on social media. Uh, we didn't necessarily see eye to eye on some stuff, but I don't know. Principally, I disagree. Uh, the truth is plain and simple. To me, lies are complicated. The truth is plain. And as soon as somebody really runs down this road of the truth is complicated, I get um, I get suspicious. If you want to watch the video again, the title of the video is What About Abortion? Should this one issue determine how Christians vote? And uh, I watched one of the other videos I watched of him uh, this week. Why do why do white Christians vote Republican and black Christians vote Democrat? And, and there was a lot of really good information, a lot of good history uh, that was in that video. Uh, it was a little bit better than the, the one that you sent me, Matt. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you at least, I think if you watch that video, you'll see that Phil seems to be trying to find common ground between people who are very much separated from each other. Uh, it seems that he respects the Bible, believes in Christ, uh, but is very frustrated just by the, 
lack of cordiality and dialogue between people who see things differently. And he's, he's like, why can't we just be nice and all get along? That's an oversimplification, but uh, that was kind of maybe as a result of my own stance and my own personality and such. Uh, that's kind of the way I took it. So anyway, in all fairness, um, I actually made a similar point that Phil makes in a sermon recently. Um, overturning Roe versus Wade will not end abortion is, is something that the video presented. And I actually said that um, in, a, in a message recently. Overturning Roe versus Wade will not end abortion. It would no doubt reduce the number of abortions. And uh, the, the video admitted that point as well. My point was that the ultimate solution is always spiritual, not political. And voting is not the best thing we can do. Voting for a president is not the best thing we can do. Um, sharing the gospel prayerfully under the leadership of the Holy Spirit is the best thing that we can do ever in order to affect change uh, in the lives of individuals or even in a culture. And certainly, if, if we see revival, there should be a re reduction in abortions. Uh, if there's not, then uh, we're evidently preaching a false gospel, I would say. That's a good place to start, I guess. Do y'all agree with with the overall viewpoint that while we definitely want Roe versus Wade overturned, I assume you you men do, that it would not solve the problem? No, it's it's not it's not going to solve the problem, and I think it would go a long way in the direction of ending abortion and making abortion illegal. I don't think that you'll ever actually end abortion. I think that you can make it illegal and come down hard on people who still perform them. But I believe that there will always be a market for abortions. Unfortunately, I think that the country morally is, um, would still have a place for that. But yeah, I agree that ending Roe versus Wade would be a probably a, or overturning it would be a good start. Yeah. I, someone, uh, commented on the video and said that to them, Roe versus Wade is like, it's a symbolic thing that, you know, it's, it's like a contract that was, that was made, you know, nationally and that we've got to break that as part of the, in a, in a, in a symbolic gesture uh, of moving in a better direction. And principally, even if it had no impact on how many abortions were occurring, that we would still need to overturn it as a signal that, Hey, we're, we're opposed to this thing. So. Uh, that yeah. makes some sense. Patrick, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, overturning Roe versus Wade is is an important step. Um, but as I listened to the video, you know, he focused a lot on saying how much local issues um, and state issues affect abortions. And, and I would agree. I think that is true. But it's, it's kind of like anything else. You got to start at the top, right? You know, you got to start with uh, the fact that our entire nation says this is okay. Well, our entire nation needs to say, no, this isn't okay. And then we deal with it on the local levels to make sure that the states then understand that, yes, we say this, this is not okay. It's not okay to kill people. Um, and then down to the very local level, right? I mean, you can't be, you're, we're currently promoting something at the federal level of the government. Um, and so to say that that's somehow not important, I think is crazy even if it's not going to ultimately end it a hundred percent, I think we understand that, that, you know, that's, that's just obvious. We have lots of, you know, states and states have a lot of power in our country as they should. Um, but you can't promote something at the top level and then, and then just work from the ground and think that all of a sudden at the local level, if we fix it there, it's going to fix it overall. Well, it's not going to fix it either. It requires, I think both top down approach and a bottom up approach as they like to say, right. Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that stood out in the video when he talked about the, um, you know, we need to do this on a local level, you know, like, you know, you, you need to get out there and, 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 you know, be running these, you know, help with these, um, the, uh, what's it called in Easton that they have, um, crisis you know, pregnancy they, centers. Yeah. Crisis pregnancy centers. And I, and I, I would compare some of this to how I feel about the welfare uh, system within our United States is the the church has failed to some extent in 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 bridging those gaps. I think that this should motivate 
all churches, all local churches to say, hey, what can we be doing on a local level? Like how many kids can we save if we went after this issue? Um, mm-hmm. And it just, I think that as Christians, uh, you know, we, we're comfortable going to church and we're comfortable saying we stand against this, but we, we, don't, we don't do anything about it. And I think that getting out there and connecting with, with people, showing people, I mean, even if you, you know, even if you approach people like Jessica, Jessica Brooks Lewis does mm-hmm. such a great job. I mean, everybody knows where her heart is. You, you know what right. I mean? If you had a, if you had a whole church of, of her that just was constantly advocating for, for life and for, Hey, you know, if you're, if you're a drug addicted mother and you have a, if you have a child and you, you, you know, you don't really want the child or whatever, you know, show them, if you showed one, one young lady that, Hey, you know, I, I was a drug addict and, and I had a child and my child was picked up by this church and they have, they have done everything for this child and more than I could ever do. I mean, if she went and told one of her friends and then her friend got pregnant, that's going to stick in that girl's mind. And I think that that I, I don't I, I don't think we should I don't think we should bypass the hey we need to overturn Roe versus Wade. But I think in the video I think the one thing he got right was you need to get out there on a local level. And I think especially the churches and Christians need to get out there and say hey we will open our homes we will open our wallets we will open our you know our churches and everything to these children that maybe the, maybe the parents don't want them or, or however, however it comes about, you know, we'll support a young lady that is pregnant and can't work for six weeks because she had this child, you know, let's, we'll take care of her so she can keep her job and, and keep going. Um, And I think it's important that we, that we, we show people that we're willing to do that and not just sit in our homes and behind our keyboards and say, Hey, we're voting this way on this issue. Right. Right. Definitely. You can't substitute actual involvement with, I just voted for a pro-life president and think your job is done. Exactly. And and if that's one of the messages of the video videos, obviously I would agree with that. I I had a meeting with uh, several pastors and the director, I think that's the position title of choices pregnancy center in Easton a year and a half or so ago. And one of the pastors asked, this lady, uh, what can we do as pastors and what can we do as churches to really make an impact? And, you know, you would expect them to say, well, support us financially or, you know, volunteer. And and I'm not saying those issues didn't come up, but the answer did surprise me. She said, you've got to change the culture of your church to where people aren't afraid. A pregnant girl's not afraid of how you're going to treat her when she comes in you've got to get rid of the the judgmental spirit, even though obviously we're not in favor of, of sex outside of marriage. We're not in favor of pregnancy, uh, you know, of unwed mothers. We're not in favor of abortion, you know, all these different things. Uh, we have very strong feelings, but we have to channel those feelings in the right direction and show great compassion. We ought to be known as the place where, hey, this is a safe spot where you can go to get help. You know, and the more broken you are, the more the church is where you ought to be, right? And and right. for the crisis pregnancy centers, that they would be able to safely say, "I can send you to this church, and they will help you. They will care for you." You know, we we have limited things that we can do. We can do some things to help you, but this is a place where you can find a whole family of people who will be there for you. You know, as you move forward, so we want to be involved um, in very real and practical ways uh, on a local level, both, both legally and practically um, to help reduce the number of abortions and save lives. That's something we can do immediately rather than waiting for something that might eventually happen. If the right court case comes up and the right Supreme court justices are there, you know, then maybe someday we can overturn Roe versus Wade, but this is something we can do immediately. So those points are legitimate. But let's go back to the title of the video and kind of channel our discussion that that way. The title of the video, and I'm sure it was somewhat clickbait, but what about abortion? Should this one issue determine how Christians vote? 
So here's the question. Here's the issue I want us to address. Do presidential elections make a difference in our lives as individuals, as Christians? And if so, what difference does it make specifically on this matter of abortion? Because the video seems to just take all the pressure off of that altogether. And frankly, the the impression I got was, hey, you want to go vote for Joe Biden? Go ahead. Which, you know, my they never said that, of course. But my thing is, I can't vote for anybody who would be willing to support the execution of an unborn child because now I can't trust anything else they would be willing to do. So should abortion be the litmus test? Yeah. I don't have a strong enough word to say, yes, the abortion abortion can be and should be a litmus test. Patrick. Yeah, I think uh, you're exactly right. When you say if someone supports murder, why would they have, why would they come to the right conclusion on anything else from that point forward? Um, And I, I think it's obvious by what candidates stand for, because Sure, we're not just voting on the issue of abortion. Yes, is that of, of a primary importance? Absolutely. But there's there's so many other issues that, you know, if we're talking about Joe Biden or Democrats in general that stand for that are contrary to the truth that's in the Bible, right? They have a totally different different understanding of what it means for marriage to be, right? Right. That's clearly against all of our values. They have a whole different uh, view on what uh, uh, of how uh, lesbians and gays and things like that should be promoted or treated and, and such. Um, they have a completely different um, approach on uh, liberty and Christian liberty and religious liberty and what you know what should be allowed within the government, what shouldn't be allowed within the government as it relates to religion. I mean, their view is completely different than uh, I would say what should be all Christians' views. Um, and then, of course, you come back to the courts, right? And it's not just that uh, the president appoints uh, Supreme Court justices that uh, may make a decision on Roe versus Wade and abortion, but they make a decision on all sorts of things that affect our daily lives, right? I mean, we currently have, you know, a completely different health care system now because of who the justices were, right? We had a president who, you know, pushed and a Congress that pushed forward a new health care system. And then the justices who ruled on it completely said it was okay, right? You know, they 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 didn't overturn what's we would think clearly from a, a conservative constitutional standard that this is, you know, illegal. But we're doing it. We're becoming a state where liberty is no longer a necessity. Liberty is just like, you know, if the government chooses to allow it at any given point in time. Um, and they appoint justices that you know, either hold to what the Constitution says or we have justices that, you know, want to rewrite the Constitution and what our country is completely about. And these things affect everybody's daily life um, from a day to day basis. You know, I think healthcare. if you look at that issue alone, that affects people in our everyday, you know, when you're going to the doctor, if you can even afford to go to the doctor, if you can, you know, afford prescription medications, all those things are dealt with. Sure, they're dealt with at a local level, but it's, again, the federal level, at least at this point in the way our government is now designed, is having a significant impact on the daily lives of people. And, um, you know, looking at who the next president's going to be does have a, a serious impact, uh, and not just for abortion, but I can't find one issue in the Democratic Party's platform that I agree with anymore. And that it used to be the Democrats and Republicans were about, you know, it was conservative versus liberal related to spending. Right. Right. And, you know, I could understand the point of view where, you know, some people thought, you know, we should the government should spend more. Some people thought the government should spend less. But now it's all about clear either truth or not true things that are contrary to the Bible. Um, And that's what the major issues of their platform are all about. And so, uh, you know, when John MacArthur said, you can't be a Christian and vote for a Democrat, I have to agree because there's just no possible way that if you agree with those things, you don't know what the truth is. You don't know what the Bible says. You don't believe what the Bible says, even if you know it. Um, And it's sad, but the only thing I see coming from them is nothing but evil. Um, They're promoting things that in God's eyes are an abomination and are evil. And anybody who promotes that doesn't know the truth, the Bible tells us. And so why would we think that it's okay to vote for somebody that doesn't know the truth? 
So uh, obviously I, I'm, I'm on the same page with you there, but if I could if I play a little bit of devil's advocate, because I have heard some of the, the liberals, uh, you know, react to this, this kind of thinking and they'll say something like, yeah, but, but Trump is rude. He's, he's brash. He's unkind. He has a terrible record as far as his entire life. If you look at his morals, so how in the world could you just, could could you as a Christian support a man like that? And they view Biden with his political rhetoric as more tolerant and more open-minded and more kind and and gentler and you know those kinds of things. And so they just go from that perspective. So do you just say no? I'm I'm voting on policy. Do you say I'm choosing the lesser of two evils? What do you what do you say in that case? Yeah, I just read an article by Wayne Grudem, um, who's somebody. Uh, questioned him about his stance of voting for Trump. It was another Christian. And he wrote, I, I got through like three quarters of it. You know, if you know Wayne Grudem, he writes like, you know, pages for everything that he does since he's all about, you know, his systematic theology books and such. But, uh, you know, I think his his main point, and I would agree, was that you have to vote based on policy and what the policies they're putting forth are. Um, we're all sinners and we're all going to fall short of the glory of God. And Trump is far from perfect as I'm far from perfect. You know, we all make mistakes and I'm not saying that I like Trump's personality or the way he acts many times. Um, but that doesn't mean it's okay to then vote for someone who is going to put policies that are clearly evil, um, that he agrees with evil policies. Sure. Trump's not going to be perfect. And I'm sure all of his policies aren't going to be perfect. And maybe some of them I'll completely disagree with, but to throw that out completely, to throw him out completely and just, you know, the other alternative might be, well, they say, well, why don't you just vote for, I don't know, someone else, do a write-in or vote for, you know, some other party that's not, you know, Republican or Democrat. I think the problem with that is we all know in our system, that's just throwing your vote away. You know, it's right. it, that person is never going to get elected in the system that we have. And so I think you do have to vote, unfortunately, for the lesser of two evils, right? The one that's going to promote the most good and going to add the most good to the country. Yeah. Everybody's going to have things that are evil. Everybody's going to have things in their lives that are bad or views that maybe aren't hundred percent correct. But generally speaking, if you look at Trump's policies, most of them have been pretty good for our country. I mean, up until the coronavirus, we had one of the best economies we've had in a very long time. People have been, um, you know, able to provide for their families. Um, we've had, uh, you know, changes in the right direction, I think, with other areas of the government. Sure, the president's not going to make, you know, he can't just make laws. That's not his job um, as the president, but he certainly has an impact in the direction the country goes. And um, I think generally speaking, overall, um, you know, Trump is is making a positive uh, change in a, in a positive direction, at least as far as Christian values are concerned. He supported churches during the coronavirus um, and keeping churches open, even though it's not the president's job to decide what's open and what's closed, but he used his influence to say, hey, churches, you shouldn't be trying to shut churches down and we'll be willing to step in if people are going overboard um, with those situations. And so I think Generally speaking, yeah, I, I, that's the decision, unfortunately, we're faced with. But to, but to say the opposite side and say, well, I'll just vote for Biden because I don't like Trump's personality or the way he behaves uh, is saying that I support murdering babies. I support LGBTQ rights. I support less religious liberty. Uh, and we can go on and on and on down the line and say, how, how could you possibly even how could that be a, an option? It's just yeah. it's just not for me. Well, and I, I think many people would say, well, I'm not supporting those things, but to me, it's equally dangerous to pretend like those things are marginal issues. <laughs> They're like primary issues. Um, so, yeah. Matt, what do you think? In reference to the video, one of the big things that I saw, and this is just as they presented you know, their arguments that your vote basically isn't going to make it to the top enough to change anything. Um, I think that they, they missed this whole, the whole other side of that is where they said, we, if you want to vote, basically, if you want to vote for a pro-abortion candidate, that's okay because your vote probably isn't going to really make a difference if you vote for a pro-life candidate. But what they fail to say is 
the other side of if you vote for a, you know, if you vote for the pro-choice guy, they're going to continue to sink their claws into the laws and into the, you know, in just into the country by promoting abortion. They're going to, I mean, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And so I think it's, I think it's, frankly, it's ridiculous to say, well, it's not going to make any difference because if you cast your vote for the other, for the other, you know, for pro-choice, it will make a difference and it will make it harder to, to, to get, get any ground we could gain back. Um, and I, and I think that you're just headed the wrong direction. I, I, it it just did not, they just did not present both sides, um, at almost at all. Um, and I think that it's a, a poor argument for Christians can vote this way. And again, like Patrick said, you can pretty much go down the democratic talking points. And as a Christian, you should staunchly disagree with pretty much all of them. Um, so I think that it's, uh, I think some of it's propaganda because it's so one-sided, um, but it makes people think, you know, it may not, I think that we need, as Christians, we need to be able to, you know, Paul talked about being able to defend your, defend your faith and defend your positions. And I think, you know, um, if any good comes out of that video, it will be that people have figured out how to make a better, a, a better defense of what, of what they believe. Right. Well, early on in the video, Phil says, you may not agree with this and that's okay. <laughs> and I don't know, just that whole perspective is so strange to me because there's so many things in life that we need to present a truth and say, not if you don't agree with this, that's okay. We need to say, if you don't agree with this, you're flat out wrong. Exactly. Right? There's just, it's evil. If you don't agree with this, okay, Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if you don't agree with this, you're on your way to hell, right? It's not, if you don't agree with this, that's okay. (laughs) No, it's not okay. And that just that whole spirit is so appalling to me. And and I do believe it's reactionary. I think it's reactionary against uh, some bad attitude Christians who have uh, given Christianity a bad name, but uh, there's ditches on both sides of the road, you know. Yeah, let, let me make a comparison here because I want to talk a little bit about the difference in voting on principle or voting based on practical outcomes because they seem to be leaning heavily in the direction of, of just considering the outcome. Jesus is, is going to rule the world, okay? Whether I'm on his side or not, he's coming back and he's going to set up his kingdom, right? And whether you guys pray for it or not and whether you you know, receive Christ as your savior, which you guys already have, but it doesn't change the ultimate outcome, right? He's going to reign. You guys agree with that, right? Correct. But for you as an individual, whether you get on board with it or not, makes a great deal of difference. And when it comes to, to voting, no, I do not think, look, I live in the state of Maryland. So <laughs> voting is irrelevant. For me, if I'm voting for Trump or Republican, because Maryland's going to vote liberal, right? I mean, y'all correct me if you think I'm wrong, but still I'm voting principle regardless of the outcome. And, and I believe that's, I think to have a clear conscience, you have to declare that you're on the side of what is right. Even if like the three Hebrew children, when they said, God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow, right? So they weren't making their decision based upon what the outcome was. Survival is not the goal. Being right is the goal. And and that that brings up a whole new topic. There's this this popular thing right now uh, about, you know, it's better to be kind than to be right. It's a false dichotomy. We can we can be kind in the way we present things, but we had better be right. We cannot afford to be wrong. Uh, God's determinations from the Scripture are not just you know let's be nice. It's let's be right. I mean that's the whole. He's the righteous God. So I don't know. I, I don't know how much the um, you know the practical side of things and the principal side of things matter to you guys, but at least for me even if it costs me my life, I want to be, you know, strong enough on my principles that I'm going to do what's right, regardless of basically say it this way, outcomes belong in God's 
uh, realm of responsibility. But it's always my responsibility to do the right thing in every case, politically, practically, you know, in my everyday life or whatever else. Well, regardless of what we think practical outcomes are going to be, the, the only way that we're going to help people to change and to see the truth is by telling people about the truth. And so if we, you know, simply try to take the position of, well, I don't want to talk about it because it's uh, divisive or I don't want to, uh, I don't even want to go vote. And then we're giving the example to everybody else that it's not worth going to vote. Well, then it's never going to change. It's just going to stay the same. Um, and so uh, I think even doing the right thing, uh, even if we think it's highly likely that it's not going to make any difference whatsoever, you know, living in Maryland, I would agree with you, it's, it's, at least in my lifetime, ever since I voted here, it's made zero difference. <laughs> at least right. my vote never was the side that won. It's always the side that lost. Um, so but I it make regardless, it makes a difference in God's eyes. You know, it makes a difference. And the things I do, God sees what I'm doing, even if nobody else does. But there might still be other people that see what I do and I can be an example to them, you know, and that's the only way that we're going to change, make make a change, even in a living in a liberal state. Right. We have to be willing to talk about it. We don't need to. As you said, we need to be kind as we talk about it, but we still got to tell the truth. We still got to tell the truth of what uh, I think is clear biblical principles and how the Democratic Party seems to be opposed to those principles. And I'm not saying the Republican Party has everything right. There's many things in the Republican Party I disagree with. I think they've become pretty progressive for the most yeah. part also. Uh, but they're still at least on the side of they agree with more of the issues than that, that, that I think are true than, than the Democratic Party does. And so, you know, both I think we can change, make changes within the Republican Party uh, and uh, hopefully – convince some folks of why their their belief in what seems like a, a kind and loving party is really just the devil deceiving people and the evilness that's being promoted through it. Um, the whole culture and the promotion of the Democratic Party of acceptance of people and what they promote that and how they do it really is just an entirely evil concept uh, and, and how they go about doing it. But it sounds so good in our culture and it's captivating so many of our kids and our youth that are coming up and it's happening in our colleges. And, um, you know, that translates eventually to them voting for for these candidates and changing our entire country in the way the United States, you know, does things and acts and behaves as a nation. So it has an impact. If you're only looking at economics and you're only looking at political power. I think you could make a pretty strong case that there's not always a lot of difference between the two parties. Uh, my brother says the only difference between the Republican and Democratic Party when it comes to uh, how big the government's going to be and how much money they're going to spend, the only difference is how fast are we going to move, right? So the Democrats want to move fast into socialism and the Republicans are pandering and saying, well, we'll move there, but let's not go too fast, you know? And I tend to agree with that. And so he, he kind of has in the past, at least sometimes leaned towards libertarianism, which I have a great appreciation for uh, myself on a lot of issues. Um, but it is unfortunate to me that we get identified with some really bad groups that, that seem to be seeking a home and, and I'm a registered Republican. So that's, I'm speaking clearly here but there are people who seem to have found a home in the Republican party that I disagree with on almost everything they say. Okay. So white supremacists, for example, seem to want to find a home in the Republican party. I can't find that there are Republican leaders who are, you know, patting them on the head saying, we're glad you're here. You know, the Democrats accuse the Republican leaders of saying that, but it ought to be in my estimation, declared so loudly, we don't want you, we, even if we lose the election, we don't want you in this party, that they would go find some someplace else to be. Uh, so that's unfortunate. And uh, I don't, I don't probably, I'm probably not using the strongest word, strong enough word for that. But, and, and it's probably the same on the Democratic side too. There's, I'm sure there's some Democrats, let's be fair, who would say this Antifa stuff, <laughs> you know, we don't want these people. Now, so 
and the, the leadership are not being vocal, you know, and maybe some of them actually agree with them. That's a possibility too. Maybe there's some Republican leaders that agree, that agree with, with some of the weird groups that have associated themselves with us as well. Uh, but the extreme groups in our society shouldn't find a home in either party. They really should. Of course, I believe the Democratic Party is an extreme group, but that's just my perspective. One of the issues that I think we should probably deal with here, um, and I always struggle with this, is because we're obviously, you know, I've taken a pretty strong position that I said, you know, you can't be a Christian and be a, and vote for a Democrat. At least it doesn't seem, it seems like they're opposing each other. Uh, the problem with that is, is how do you deal with reaching the lost and talking about these topics? Because, you know, there's, I believe, a lot of lost people in the Democratic Party or people that uh, vote for for Democrats. Um, and how do we reach them without just talking about politics and immediately offending them? Because obviously, if anybody listens to this podcast and what I've said so far, I imagine anybody who doesn't agree with me is uh, probably a thousand percent offended at the moment. Um, which is fine. They should be offended. But at the same time, it's uh, not necessarily a great way to reach people for Christ. So I uh, wonder if you all have some thoughts about that. Hmm. I think that the, I think one of the biggest things that I observe and I hear is that uh, the Republican party comes off as non-compassionate um, as far as um, helping the poor and helping the, the less fortunate and things like that. Um, and I think that, um, I think part of that again is a uh, failure of the church. Um, but I think that showing people that, I think showing people that, no, we are compassionate. We're just compassionate in a different way. Uh, maybe than just handing out free stuff, um, would, you know, uh, maybe bring some people over to the other side while we say, Hey, look, you know, we're Christians. So we have this stance. And I think it's important to, you know, to say, to people that we're witnessing to, hey, look, just because, you know, I'm a part of this party does not this that, that's not my that's not my ultimate, you know, that's not who I pledge allegiance to. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. And, you know, we are we're called to follow the Bible and to follow Christ, not follow the Republican Party. So right. there are times when we vote where we have to make some, you know, we have to say, look, you know, the Republican, the Republican uh the Republican ticket aligns more with our, you know, Christian moral position um, than the democratic position. So that's why we're on this side of these issues. Right. Yeah. There's definitely some people who have made the mistake of saying, I'm patriotic. I'm an American. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. I'm going to heaven. Now they don't say that in those words, but that's clearly, you know, their gospel is the gospel of patriotism, right. Or their gospel is the gospel uh, you know, of, of conservatism. And th that's illegitimate. I mean, that, that's just as wrong, you know, as, as falling in the other direction. Um, so we got to stand up against that. And, and people who defend Trump for, for everything, they feel like they can't admit that he ever does anything wrong. Those people bother me greatly as well. Um, I think we should respect him. I know we should respect him because he's president. Uh, I was even in favor of of respecting Barack Obama when he was president and even to this day because he was president, because I believe the, believe the Bible commands us to respect those who are in authority. Um, but it doesn't mean we have to ever defend things they do that is, you know, that's wrong. John the Baptist, you know, spoke against his local king because he was having an affair. Right. So he condemned it, said you shouldn't have your brother Philip's wife. Um, so that wasn't disrespectful. That was just declaring the truth. Um, it definitely bothers me. The never Trumpers bother me and the always Trumpers bother me. I don't know. That's probably not a, an actual term that's used, but you, you guys would agree. There are some people that to them, Trump can do no wrong, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is, again, you, you're not, we're not worshiping. I'm not interested in worshiping Trump because, Obviously, he's human. Like Patrick said, he is uh, he's human and he's flawed and he's going to continue to be human and flawed just as we are. Um, I, I just don't see I don't see not being objective uh, in regards to that matter. Yeah, it's it's actually one step worse than just following ideology. You know, there are people who are 
uh, ideologues, that might be the right term, and, and their followers just kind of, you know, everything's in line with that ideology. Uh, for some, uh, you know, Trump has, it's almost a personality cult with them. Uh, and everybody they know is, you know, for Trump. And so if you're not for Trump, you know, then, you, then you're a, a worthless piece of garbage, you know, not even worth uh, discussing anything with. I want to, I'll be honest with you, I want to go to some of these houses around that's, that have the Biden-Harris signs in the yard. I want to go knock up on the door, knock on the door and say, I, I want you to explain to me what you're, you know, what you're promoting. Why are you for Biden-Harris? Because it's true. I got, you know, I got 1200 friends on social media. I doubt 10 of them will be voting for Biden. Right. So I'm definitely in a bubble in my conversations. Uh, I'm vocal enough about my perspectives that people who have a more liberal mindset, they're not going to pay attention to me. They're going to block me, hide me, unfriend me, unfollow me, whatever else they're going to do. And sometimes I want to be quiet about politics because of what Patrick said. My ultimate goal is getting the gospel to the lost, right? Um, and so that's my primary responsibility. And so if I have to be quiet about something in order to accomplish that, you know, I feel the responsibility for doing that. But that goes back to the different institutions that God has designed, family, government, and church. I have responsibilities in all three. The same God who established the church also established government. And he did that right after the flood. And it's still a, a, a legitimate thing. And there's nothing more associated with the power of government than the defense of unborn life. I mean, the very foundation of government is the right to take life. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. Right. And so the government is responsible for protecting the innocent and punishing the guilty. That is their responsibility. And nobody's more innocent than an unborn child. Uh, so this is definitely, you know, a, a primary issue in, in, in my estimation when it comes to government. And, and when you talk about compassion, by the way, and I know I'm bouncing all over the place here, but when you talk about compassion, you alluded to the fact that conservatives and Republicans are also compassionate, but they have different perspectives on how it should be done. You know, I was I was reared and taught from from a very early age that the problem with, with national level uh, benevolence or, uh, or international even, uh, federal level benevolence and the welfare system is that it's so inefficient, that it's so ineffective and that it's uh, misused and abused to such extremes that the way to help people is on a local level. You see where the needs are. And the money that you give and the, the goods that you give actually make it to the people who need it. And that has been has been my experience that conservative Christians that I have known have been some of the most generous people that I've ever met. But they are generous on a local level to their actual neighbors, you know, rather than saying, hey, yeah, tax me all you want to and go give the money to whoever you think needs it, which seems to be, you know, the, the liberal strategy. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about how you have some people that, you know, are you see Biden signs. And like you said, maybe 10 of your friends on social media would vote for Biden. And it's interesting. That's where this video came from. That's how I found it was that uh, she was a teacher at the at the Christian school I attended and she posted this video and she comes off very much as a Biden supporter, which, OK, you're a Biden supporter. And the post that she made really kind of hit all the points that you had just talked about where there was uh, one lady who just had this very hard, harsh kind of version of Christianity that and she defended Trump the entire time. I mean, just mm -hmm. just Trump, 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 Trump. And I I, I was I was pushed back by that. Yeah. Um, and then I and then I watched other people who had attended the Christian school with me, but said in the post, I'm not a Christian. I'm not you know, I don't hold those beliefs. You know, I, I watched them react to this lady and they all reacted very negatively. And I thought, this is not this is not how we reach people like this is not you're not helping your case at all. Yeah. Um, and the the lady who posted it, basically her response is, is that she doesn't like Trump's personality. And, you know, I don't like Trump's personality most of the time, too. I don't like right. Biden's personality. I certainly don't like Kamala's personality. I, right. I could probably get along pretty well with Mike Pence. 
but he, he kind of the, the whole post just divulged into unproductive bantering back and forth um and if if we touch on the issue of reaching people for christ in while we talk about politics is you have to stay away from that you cannot you cannot get sucked into the name calling or the the um you know made up you know just made up stuff because they all make you stuff they make stuff up about each other um you just have to talk to people and in in facts and and provable stuff and um and kind of go from there. And I, um, like I said, I, I don't, I don't know how she can support Biden being a, you know, she says she's a Christian. It's her right to support Biden if she wants, even if I think she's wrong. And I, you know, I have to respect that for me, like you, I live in a bubble, you know, I farm with my father, like, I, you know, uh, the most out I, I get out because I go to church and, you know, I see some people at the local grain elevator or whatever, and I listen to some talk radio and some podcasts and stuff. So I don't get to see the other side of it so much because we're in a fairly conservative area. Um, so it was, it was a good it was a good eye opener for me to see the other side of it and to see the arguments that they're making and to see, you know, all right, why, you know, why, why, why does she want to vote that way? And it's like, oh, OK, these reasons why. Um, which I think all Christians should, we, we, we have to look at the other side and uh, not just from a Christian perspective, but just from a, being a reasonable human being and forming a solid argument, um, and a discussion, you, you have to be able to see both sides. Um, and right. I think it's important for Christians to be compassionate with, okay, you know, let's say a Democrat says, I'm very compassionate about helping people. I'm, I want to be a Christian, but all Christians are Republican, and I can't get on board with that. I think that you have to separate, you have to separate those things to start. Um, and then you have to point out, you know, that, you know, there's different ways of being compassionate and that maybe the democratic compassion system is not, is not the best. Um, I really get fed up with politics because they just, they just, they just lump all this stuff together and it ends up in this, you know, soup of despair. Like, you know, it's just, they, they want to just put all everything together and weight everything the same. And right. like you, we talked about earlier, the single issue of abortion, you know, is the, is the single issue of abortion enough to vote against or for a candidate? And yeah, because, because a human life weighs pretty heavily in, in the, in the scale of things. Well, it's like as a parent, you know, I, I put such weight on lying with, with my children. If my child is willing to lie to me, then I can't believe anything else. I can't trust them with anything else. Right. Right. And so that was a litmus test with me with my children. So they got more, they got more trouble for lying than for anything else. That was a, that was an indicator of where their, you know, their, their conscience was and where their, where their spirit was going. Um, And to me, abortion is that indicator. And, And when it comes to politics, there's nothing that indicates the heart more to me than that matter. I agree that we need to listen to the perspectives, if I could say it this way, of our enemies. Uh, because on the battlefield, who's going who's gonna to see your weak spot first? It's the guy that's trying to destroy you, right? He's going to see that weak spot and he's going to take advantage of it. So I do believe we need to listen to those who consider us as their enemies. Uh, and when they point out a weakness, we need to, we need to shore that up. Uh, we need to make sure that we're dealing with those things, not living in denial, right? So if the if the Democratic, you know, party and the people who support the Democratic Party say, well, you Republicans don't like black people, for example, well, there may be some legitimacy in that claim that we're not indicating clearly enough and we're not involved, you know, in ways that are legitimate enough for that not to be seen as a weakness. So, you know, if, if we're not caring and we're not uh, paying attention and we're not busy doing something about the struggles of ethnic minorities, you know, in our country as a party, then, well, let's fix that, right? Let's not live in denial. Let's actually do something about it. Of course, a lot of these issues, I don't believe are supposed to be political in the first place. A lot of them are supposed to be handled by the church, for example, welfare. If the church, if all the churches were doing everything they were supposed to do to help the poor, then they wouldn't need to go to the government for help. Right. So, right. Um, 
and the government ends up, you know, filling in gaps where families are not taking care of themselves or the church or communities are not taking care of themselves. And so it ends up being this gigantic problem. Uh, what, what, and, and let me close, let's close down with this, whether, whether the issue is uh, about life or it's about, you know, I mean the preservation of life or the taking of life or money or health or whatever else, uh, there are different ways to approach it. And that's something I noticed in Phil's uh, videos as well. He seems to emphasize the value of education a lot. And I believe in the value of education. But if all you've got is education, you just end up with smart criminals, right? You just end up with people who uh, can get what they want that's illegal, but they, they're better at doing it. He also focused a lot on economics in the videos that I watched. So solutions are economic solutions. Solutions are educational solutions. Uh, and I didn't hear a lot about authoritarian solutions. I didn't hear a lot about spiritual solutions. I believe if he were sitting here with us three discussing it, he would say, yes, you need a holistic approach. You've got to use all of these resources and all of these approaches. But some solutions the federal government is good at and some they're not. Okay. My estimation, they're not good at education policy. Okay. Uh, the federal government's probably very good at authoritarianism. <laughs> Having the power to enforce you know, some rule that they've made, they're probably very good at that. Not very good at spending money, for example, and making sure that it gets you know, to where it needs to be. Definitely, they're not good at spiritual principles, right? Um, so they ought to focus on what they're good at. Uh, and stay out of those areas that they're not good at. And both parties are way out of line when it comes to that on the national scene, in my opinion. Anything to say to wrap this thing up from you guys? I think one of the things that I thought was interesting, I was listening to a, um, a podcast the other day, and they were talking about this, this exact thing, because there seems to be a push within evangelical uh, circles to say, Hey, it's okay if you vote for the other side. Um, and I think a lot of it's propaganda and I think it's all, it's all, you know, um, being pushed. But the one thing I thought was interesting was there was a liberal, um, I guess he was a, he was a, like a, um, investigative reporter. And basically he found that the number one reason for abortion was, was laziness, <laughs> Because people in the heat of the moment or just generally in life, just they just decide not to not to take precautions to not get pregnant. And it comes down to your your personal responsibility. And I think that this country in general has taken a lot of weight off of personal responsibility, where I think, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago you know, that was kind of the name of the game, but it just really stood out to me that when it comes down to people having abortions and, you know, going to the clinics and getting that procedure done is it started with them just, just basically being lazy. It was interesting that even the left acknowledges, Hey, this, this is a product of, of people just kind of shrugging their shoulders and saying, I'm not interested, which also shows how little we value life. Yeah. You know? I hate it when they interpret data in a specific way. And I look at the data and go, yeah, there's a lot of other conclusions you could have come to <laughs> other than what you, yeah. you, uh, you came to. They say that, you know, there's fewer abortions. So that means there's less sexual activity among uh, teenagers or something is one of the things they said in the video. And I'm like, okay, you can have fewer unwanted pregnancies because people, because there's more gay people. Right. Yeah. That doesn't mean that our morals have improved. That's ridiculous. Well, you can say, well, well you know, we're, we're lowering abortions uh, because there's less sexual activity. Well, maybe there's more condom use. Okay. That, that yeah. doesn't mean that our morals have improved at all. We've educated <laughs> people on how to misbehave without paying the consequences, you know? Yep. So that's the preacher in me coming out, but I just hate it when they look at data and come to some, conclusion that is just not a fair conclusion. It's a possible conclusion, but there's a whole bunch of other conclusions that could be equally or more valid than the ones they come to. That, that just burns me up 
over and over again. Of course, the, the news media and, and uh, educate the academics and so forth in our culture do that all the time. Well, and an example of that is that the, in some of these videos that I've seen and, and some of the talking points is, well, abortions have continued to go down. And they'll say, well, you know, let's say, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, Bill Clinton abortions went way down or, you know, Obama, they continued to trend down. Well, part of that is, is that in 1998, the CDC made, um, made reporting abortions by state voluntary. The state doesn't even have to report them anymore. So, of course, your numbers are going to go down because you have this black eye of immorality on a state. You know, California doesn't want to say, hey, we have the most abortions this year, even if they are, you know, very, very liberal. You know, I just don't see I just don't see states being proud of their numbers. You know, we we definitely know about false counting now, don't we? That's become pretty popular in uh, (laughs) our everyday society now right yeah yeah well let let me say to the listeners if you've survived this long uh we are not entering a dark winter as joe biden said last night in the debate uh we we are headed for absolute destruction okay the world is going to absolutely implode at some point but those of us who are followers of christ uh our hope is in the Lord and he is our redeemer and we will be saved. And I'm not just talking about our soul salvation. We will be rescued from the destruction that is inevitable, uh, you know, in our world. If you're a liberal, if you're a Democrat, if you're an unbeliever, uh, I don't hate you. I don't despise you. I don't understand. I'll admit that. Uh, you know, I don't understand a lot of the liberal perspectives. They're so illogical to me but I definitely would be willing to sit down and listen as you try to explain your perspective. I, I would not be hostile or make, make fun of you uh, to your face. And uh, so I definitely want to hear from you. If you're a believer and especially if you're a conservative believer, and if you're, you know, one of Trump's great cheerleaders, don't be open-minded concerning what the truth is. I mean, the truth is the truth. So I'm not saying you should put the truth up for debate. Uh, and, and allow yourself to, uh, to say, well, I'm willing to surrender, you know, this point that under some circumstances, abortion are okay, you know, and those kinds of things. But at least be aware, you know, of, of what the way you present yourself and, and how you go about discussing the things that matter to you, at least be aware of, of how they're taken by other people and whether you're doing any good or not, or whether you're just making yourself feel better. Uh, about yourself or you know it could even just be a matter of pharisaicalism is that the right word um you know self-righteousness and pride and that's that's evil on both sides right it doesn't matter whether you're a, a conservative or a liberal god hates pride so when you're impressed with yourself and you think you're the answer to the world uh whether you're a politician or a preacher or just a voter or whatever else you know that's you're not helping anything you're not helping anybody so Well, thanks for listening to Grace or Grit. Thank you, Matt and Patrick, for spending time with me today. I pray for God's richest blessings on both of you gentlemen and your families. May God forgive our nation and heal our nation and bless and use our nation for his glory and uh, for the propagation of the gospel around the world as he has in the past. Uh, Many missionaries have been sent out from the United States. To our listeners, be sure to vote. Be sure to share this podcast and listen to other episodes as well. Uh, Whatever you can do to promote this, like, share, subscribe, comment, etc. And by God's grace, may we all remain faithful to the word of God and apply it constantly in our lives in both personal and political situations today and every day. Thank you.